0: it.
1: Hello and welcome to All Stats, Aren't We?, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over games on Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the Pfizer vaccine of the podcast, here to save you from all your tactical diseases. And I'm joined by the fans in the stadium of the podcast, Tom Woodhead, giving meaning back to the beautiful game. And finally... The government logistical debacle of the podcast, inevitable, catastrophic and prompting calls for stiffer sentencing. It's Joe Hill. Joe, how are you doing?
2: I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, It was nice to wake up this morning and watch some highlights of the games last night with actual fans in the stadium and seeing them celebrate and seeing them enjoy themselves. So uh, it got me a a little bit positive that we might be able to look forward to that at some point uh, at Ellen Road.
1: Yeah, I I do get the impression that football with fans is is better you know that if we've learnt anything from from whatever this hell that we've been through is it's that football with fans is is a much more enjoyable experience and uh it gives it does give meaning to the game and uh yeah let's hope it's not long before ellen
3: road is full of fans again um one of those fans is tom woodhead tom how are you doing hi yeah i'm not too bad uh and i completely agree i haven't seen any of the highlights from last night but um i was just saying this week on twitter that i was looking at that old photo of ailing scoring the volley against Huddersfield, which was obviously the last game we had at Ellen Row with fans in and it already looks odd. Just all those little dots in the background slightly out of focus. It it's like a texture that you just don't see in football photographs anymore. And it feels like this alien world that hopefully will be back to very, very soon.
1: Yeah, it was such a weird moment, I think, in many respects, because I remember I remember thinking like this is going to be the last game that we have for a while. Um and I just remember that gave that whole game like just a bizarre significance for me Um, and when that goal went in you know it was just such a perfect goal for for the occasion and it was obviously very early on in the game wasn't it and it was it was at the end of a of a decent winning streak and it felt like everything was great right we were we were going back to the Premier League everything nothing could stop us now (laughs) but in the background you had that whole sense that you know, maybe it wasn't going to be quite so simple as we thought. And um, it was just such a beautiful goal as well. Um, So yeah, a really poignant moment for me. Anyway, in my news section, I have absolutely nothing, which is, I suppose, a good thing. Um, No news is good news, as as the old adage goes. But um, unless anyone has anything to add that they've uh, just had revealed to them,
3: I suppose the club of finally started to begin the laborious process of sorting out season tickets. Um, Mm. I saw the other day that the club are rolling over season tickets to next year, which is a pretty good move. And honestly, I guess most clubs are going to end up having to do this because of public opinion, but it's nice that we've got out ahead of it um, before a lot of clubs and, and made sure that it's known that fans aren't going to be paying 500 quid for literally nothing so is the way
1: that that's working then is that they get their season ticket for whatever games there are this season and then it's rolled over
3: yeah so basically if you go to five games at the end of this season you'll pay that proportion of your season ticket i mean that so you'll you'll only pay for 15 games next season or whatever it's going to be a nightmare, isn't
1: it? Because there's going to be different people
3: having gone to different numbers of games though, right? So I
1: look forward to that unfolding. It's
3: what they pay the, the guys and gals in the office for. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. Yeah, I've managed to avoid a lot of that debate on Twitter because I am not a season ticket holder. So I can imagine that it's quite frustrating for a lot of people. Right, let's move on. Let's talk about the the Chelsea game that's coming up. So this week I was lucky enough to talk to Ram Srinivas, one of the co-founders of MRKT Insight, a football consultancy, and this is what he had to
4: say. So Ram, hi, how are you doing? I am doing good, John. It is nice to be on All Starts, aren't we, again? So yeah, can't can't wait to talk about Leeds and Chelsea. Mm
1: -hmm. I um, have happened upon you listening to interviews with Carlos Corbran. Um yeah. <laughs> so obviously there's a there's a leads link there. You watch a lot of the championships, so
4: what's your take yeah. on Korber and Bean? Oh he's uh he's a really fascinating guy. Of um first and foremost, I love the way he comes across in interviews, always very honest, open to probing questions from the press always, and of course the team plays a wonderful style of football and Jonathan Hogg does his best, Calvin Phillips impression. So I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he'll go far? I think he will, actually. I think he has a very big future in the game. I mean, don't, don't, don't quote me on this, but yeah, I, I, I feel very positive about Coburn. I can't wait to see where he is in three or four years. So you mentioned um, first
1: first up that you've been on this show before. Um, last time I spoke to you, it was yeah. the before the Derby County game at the end of last season. Now I'm talking to you about the Chelsea game this season. Now there is something which ties together both Derby and Chelsea. Is it time for you to come clean and
4: admit you're just a Frank Lampard-Stan account? If you look me up on Twitter, I'm actually a Wesula and Stanford. <laughs> but uh, I mean, listen, Lampard is. Um, oh my God! I've just completely run the Lampard there. <laughs> uh, what, uh, how, how beautiful, beautifully ironic. <laughs> um, what I meant to say was Lampard was uh, my favorite player growing up because I was a Chelsea fan, and you know that whole generation of players but yes i've been i've been following his uh, i was following his managerial journey with interest and there are several things that he does and says off the field that i'd not approve of but yes my i'm i'm no longer as starry eyed about frank lampard as i was <laughs> as a 12 year old so there is that but yeah he's it is what it is he's the manager of chelsea now so yeah that's me how do you feel about chelsea season so far it feels a little bit of a weird
1: season for me because it it seems as though there's more at stake for lampard this time round and yeah oddly enough it feels like it's perhaps an easier league to play this season than last how do you feel about Chelsea then
4: hmm yeah it uh well the term easy for the league is uh okay you're probably right on that one it just feels like a far more random league mm. than last year so I suppose it is easy yes but i i still i still don't I don't feel very optimistic about Chelsea's chances in general. I My general expectations for the season are um, finished up for in a more convincing manner, I suppose, this season. I mean, last season, we just just about edged it in the last, last couple of weeks of the season, but I hope for the side to look. Uh, my main um, goals for this season from Chelsea are finished up for in a more convincing manner. And from Lampard, I want to see signs of more clear tactical ideas so Mm. for me the season is still very much about the intangibles although I would love it if we were more competitive in general
1: you've mentioned that the league is maybe a little bit more random does that mean that Chelsea have a chance of challenging for the title this season
4: uh no (laughs) I don't think so I'm gonna be realistic I don't see them uh keeping up with Liverpool or Manchester City or whoever is in the first two places I think I think they might not there might not be an island around those two positions like there was last season, but I also don't think Chelsea will firmly be in the contention to win the league now. I just think they're not at that stage yet. There's still some some way to go in terms of progress.
1: The summer is not so distant a memory as it maybe feels right now, um, hmm. particularly in terms of the transfer business this season. How pleased yeah. with how pleased were you with Chelsea's business this season? I guess it would be pretty hard not to be quite happy looking down the list of names that you brought in.
4: Yeah, I, I was uh, I was happy with a lot of the signings. Um, Timo Werner, Ziyech, uh, I loved from the get go. Um, Eduard Mendy, of course, I was yearning for Chelsea to hmm. have at least a league average goalkeeper to replace Kepa which they have done Mm -hmm. Ben Chilwell was one hour slightly iffy on before he signed but then once he signed I I felt a a wave of calm and suddenly I felt I felt reassured that we had an upgrade on Marcus Alonso Mm -hmm. playing as a left back in a back four so overwhelmingly I would say yes the business has been quite good I think getting Thiago Silva on a reportedly decent wage for I mean, for his standard Has also been a good deal It's just the Kai Havertz signing that I was uh, Slightly sceptical about Because I wasn't sure how they were going to fit All of these attackers Including Ruben Loftus cheek And Callum Hudson-Odoi And Tammy Abraham And give everyone enough minutes mm. So as to... I mean, I was basically scared of Chelsea repeating another Salah and De Bruyne situation Where mm. they let someone go And then they turn up at Man City two years later So... <laughs> Uh, that that was that was my main worry. But in terms of quality of player, absolutely no problem. They're all they're all very high quality players, and I wish I wish it was slightly more coherent from a squad building point of view. But it is what it is now, and it it seems to be in a decent place. And especially in a busy season, um, I think everyone will end up getting a decent amount of minutes. So which one of these players is going to end up at Manchester City in two seasons' time? <laughs> uh, my my money my money might be on uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi if he leaves. <laughs> so I, I hope that doesn't happen, but yeah. <laughs> it's almost guaranteed to happen now, so. Um, <laughs> you've mentioned it already, but
1: I'm often being told that Lampard hasn't really found the best way of getting all of his star-studded
4: squad into the team. Would you generally agree with that? I would, yeah. Uh, I think that, especially as of late, well, the striker situation was also always going to be very interesting because Tammy Abraham is a very high-quality striker. It seems lost on many fans um, within the Chelsea fan base, which I am quite surprised with, but I I genuinely think Tammy Abraham has and will continue to be a striker of very high calibre and someone who possesses excellent attributes in the penalty area and in harrying defenders all game long. So it was always going to be a strange situation where Timo Warner comes in and suddenly becomes the first-choice striker. And now that Tammy has showed... What he can do when he was when he's given the chances because he's been incredibly effective whenever he's been given the chance goals assists, direct contributions to goals, even in terms of hockey assists or whatever. But now Lampard is kind of realizing that Abraham shouldn't I mean doesn't really deserve to be left out of the side most weeks. So what he's doing now is he kind of has a a kind of lopsided front three with Timo Werner playing on the left, and I am very Ambivalent on that sort of shape because I really don't rate Timo Werner playing as a as a wide attacker in this league. I feel as if he does not get into he does not receive the ball in good enough positions, in especially in games against Tottenham last week. And overall, I feel it it limits his effectiveness a lot as compared to having someone like Hudsono or Pulisic on the left. So and I, I also feel as if Zieck has been much better than everyone, anyone expected because he's come in and absolutely taken the league by storm. His underlying numbers are insane. He is the best passer we've had since Esk Fabregas. I think it's pretty safe to say. So I think now Lampard has suddenly been presented with a whole, whole different conundrum than he may have imagined at the start of the season where he's got Ziek creating such a huge impact that he has to play and Abraham presenting such a different effective option to Werner that he has to play too. And Warner being a big signing, Havertz being a big signing, where do you fit them all? So that's um, that's that's a bit of a sticky situation at the moment. I think he's very much figuring it out still, and I don't know how long uh, he, he's he's act where or when he's actually going to figure it out, given the number of injuries that may occur over over the course of a season such as this one. So yeah, in conclusion, I would definitely agree that he hasn't found the best way of getting all of his players into the team but i do think that he is he has made progress since the start of the season that I'll say yeah well let's talk about
1: that now um yeah let's talk about how you would talk uh, you'd feel about lampard as a manager now that he's got two and a bit seasons under his belt
4: yeah again uh the general consensus on Lampard seems to be that he's either tactically inept or he is a tactical mastermind for dropping <laughs> his two number eights into the full back position uh, to receive when they're playing out of the back so yeah it's I feel as if that's a result of just putting everything under the microscope but yeah. I think um, I think the answer obviously lies in between so, so insofar as that he is an okay tactician at this point uh, he's very much learning how to shape his game tactically I think there were no patterns of play or clear principles on what he wanted to do except press last season and at derby county i mean there were some there were some nascent tactical themes maybe but they just remained nascent for a for a solid one and a half or 1.7 seasons and kind of towards the end of last season post uh, post lockdown and at the start of the season i kind of see some tactical ideas developing some clear patterns on how to play against low blocks mm. we've gotten far better at playing against low blocks that I'll say, so I think he's uh he, he's coming along um, it was always it was always going to be a tough ask for him managing a club like Chelsea when he was clearly still at a very uh rudimentary stage of management uh, so I think that the tactical ideas he is developing and will develop over time, although he's not he doesn't appear to be an inherently brilliant tactician and man management wise he seems to be doing quite well. The, um, that's another thing. So, it's kind of Lampard being a big attraction for players and signings that maybe helped us get Abbotts and Werner over the line and Chilwell also. So the the whole intangible surrounding him being Lampard, whatever whatever that may be, that exists. And he appears to be a good man manager motivator. But tactically, yeah, he has a long way to go. And I I am cognizant of this and willing willing to see how he turns out in the next 18 months because he's making progress at the moment. So it's just a question of will that continue over the course of the season.
1: Well, let's talk about those tactics now. Um, yeah. Where would you say Lampard's Chelsea are right now when it comes to tactics? What are the basic ideas behind his team?
4: Yeah, the basic ideas behind the team now are they like to press high, but there still there still appears to be some sort of lack of structure to the press at this moment, which is disappointing because they definitely got the tools to have an organised press at the, at the, at the front uh, They like to build from the back uh, Chilwell and Reese James are aggressively involved in playing the ball into the penalty area uh, Chilwell gets very high and tends to make late runs into the penalty area from that left back position Reese James tends to cross from slightly deeper on the right and link up with Zieck uh, on the right as well. So there's a bit of asymmetry created in terms of the roles of the fullbacks there. And I'd say that the, that Zieck and Werner lately, who's been playing on the le- on the left, they have an asymmetry between themselves as well, because Werner has been playing as a. He's been playing more. He's been playing wider than I would have liked, which is kind of counterintuitive. Given you'd expect him as a pseudo striker. In a kind of inside-forward position, but Ziyech, on the other hand, has been—he's been having a pretty free role actually, because you you see him picking up uh, picking up the ball in a lot of central areas in the final third. So, I think the fact that Ziyech didn't get on the ball as much as we would have liked against Tottenham, for example, was another factor in us not being able to win that game. So. Yeah, I'd say that uh, pass, passing out at the back definitely uh, asymmetry con- where asymmetry in the roles and the positioning of either fullback, in addition to the the wide attackers that are playing there. So there's there's a lot there's a lot of fluidity on the right with Ziek dropping dropping centrally. Uh, in terms in terms of this try, um, it's a revolving door at the moment, but Tammy Abraham does a decent job of. Holding up and putting those around him into play, and then there's the whole conundrum of Havertz. So basically, there's a he he's been lining up with the four-three-three now, with one kind of DM destroyer who does who tends not to venture forward much, and two dynamic midfielders in Mason Mount and Kovacic or Kai Havertz, who will look to either create overloads wide. Or get into the box and try and try and overload the box as well. So, in in conclusion, I'd say they are aggressive tactics, but at the same time, it lacks it lacks structure against teams that try to play against them. So, funnily enough, there seems to be there seems to be a lot more structure playing against against a low block now, but against teams that like to play uh, against Chelsea, like Leeds will. There is slightly less structure to this. I think it can get very chaotic. But yes, overall, it's a very aggressive, um, high pressing, not overly patient on the ball uh, kind of football. I think that's remained fairly consistent from about half of his tenure into Derby to, to now.
1: It seems as though recently Chelsea have been playing a 4 3 3. You've mentioned the, yeah. the flying fullbacks, you've mentioned the high press. Sounds yeah. a little bit like Franklin Bart's <laughs> trying to be Jurgen Klopp.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I'd say he's um, slightly more patient than Jurgen Klopp side, uh, in relative terms. I still wouldn't call Chelsea very patient side, but yes, that that wouldn't that wouldn't be the that wouldn't be the worst comparison. When Chelsea were a lot of things, in fact, between there were a lot of similarities between Chelsea last season and Jurgen Klopp's first season at Liverpool. Mm. So yeah, that's um, that's sound. I'd say although although I think they they are attempting to strike uh, a bit more of a balance uh, after having themselves caught out so much mm. uh, after after overcommitting to a high press last season. So I think a change to a 433 has been brought with and and I think he's actually gotten Ngolo Conte to play as a sitting midfielder. So whoever plays as a 6 now is a lot more of a sitting midfielder than they were last mm. season. And another factor in the four three three is I think he's realized that it's the best way to have Mason Mount and Kai Havertz playing the same team. Mm-hmm. Because I think Lampard absolutely needs Mason Mount in his sides. Um not not because uh, he's his son or whatever, but Mason Mount <laughs> is <laughs> he is he is an incredible presser of the ball. He I think he's second to none or probably at par with Conte in terms of work rate and Mason Mount, the the most important part is he's been able to kind of develop into playing a more mature midfield role in the sense that he seems to be trusted a lot more with ball progression now as compared to last season when he was uh, a little, a little bit all over the place. He was kind of playing as a pseudo, pseudo striker even at times uh, deployed as a number 10 and as a left attacker. But yes. So finding Mason Mount's role and realizing that Haberts could be played as an eight alongside him has been a, a, a palpable factor, I suppose, in Lambert switching to a four-three-three. So when when I referred to him kind of appearing to figure out, at least compared to the start of the season, how to how to fit his out of fit all of his star players into one team, I think this is a huge reason because if you have Conte at six, Mason Mount and Kai Haberts. On both the eight positions, uh, Zieck on right wing, Pulisic on left wing, and Werner at 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 the striking position. Mm-hmm. You're only you're only left with like Tammy Abraham and Hudson Adoy on the bench, and obviously you you can't you can't play a you can't play a two seven one position. I mean <laughs> formation. So, yeah, this is probably as good as good as it's going to get in terms of accommodating all of these players into one side. So I think yeah he's he's kind of found a decent balance for the 423. So I expect him to stick stick through it for a while yet. And so you'll see,
1: we'll see that against Leeds then the four three three.
4: Yeah, I think so. Now that now that Havertz is back as well, and he kind of had a cameo in our last game uh, against Spurs. But yes, I, I think we will see a four three three against Leeds. Obviously, Leeds fans will see that lineup and
1: be nervous, or at least they should be, <laughs> um, because there is so many goal threats in that in that lineup. What do you think Leeds should yeah. do to stop Chelsea's many threats from scoring?
4: Yeah, I think Leeds have to prevent uh, our progression from the right so I think I think Jack Harrison and Stuart Dallas are going to be hugely important in that game because Ziyech and Rhys James on the same flank is a devastating prospect for any opponent and I think something that Tottenham did well was restricting their progression down the right hand side so I think whoever going to play, be playing left wing for Leeds is going to have quite a task on their hands in terms of in terms of tracking tracking runs and so on. And another thing is preventing progression from the number six position is another is another fairly fairly major aspect that Leeds should be looking at. So I, I assume that's Click who's going to try and stop that because so I've I've noticed that in recent games there appears to be. Uh, unless Mount categorically comes deeper and tries to tries to receive the ball, there seems to be like a palpable gap between the number six and the two eights. Mm. In so which which leaves some responsibility on the six to progress either uh, diagonally to a full back in a high mm. position or to get it between the lines of the two eights. So yeah, the pressing roles of Click uh, Dallas and Harrison will be very important. And another thing will be trying to stop the 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 diagonal uh, there was I, I think leeds can be susceptible to 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 a switch of play mm. if if possession gets concentrated on one side of the pitch and lately chelsea have proved to be quite adept at this sort of maneuver um so just as a more of a positional theme they they should be they should be looking out for overloads on a particular flank and just generally being wary uh, f- from switches of play from Mason Mount, who has who has particularly grown into that sort of responsibility from midfield. And at the other end
1: of the pitch, what should Leeds be doing to exploit weaknesses in Chelsea's play?
4: Mm. I, I think uh, Patrick Bamford is going to be uh, a very very crucial player in Leeds' attack because I think I think for one. Uh, Pressing Thiago Silva. Oh well okay. Uh, I, I should probably should have mentioned this in the last point, but yeah, um, I think I think Thiago Silva, as composed as he is, has uh, both him and Zuma. I, I I fear for them coming up against um, a pressing attack uh, of Leeds, and I think that Bamford could be quite crucial off the ball and on the ball because in terms of movement, if our fullbacks are going to be playing high. Then, if Bamford, if Bamford is going to drift into the advanced half spaces on the left-hand channel, mm-hmm. then that's going to cause Chelsea a lot of problems. I I anticipate Bamford is going to be uh, dragging whoever the left centre back is out of position with some smart decoy runs, because he's been he has been doing a lot of that in recent games, especially against Everton. So, yeah, I think I think Bamford will definitely cause us a huge problem, and. Uh, Rafinha as well, so I think that Chelsea, they are, although they have tried to get slightly more compact now, they still they're still quite susceptible to high intensity dribblers like Rafinha, and if if Rafinha ends up, um, I think Rafinha could end up damaging them a lot, a lot on transition, because if he if he receives in the the kind of number six area. I mean, between the number six area and the full back area, then his direct running towards, um, well, towards the flanks so or towards the centre, has the ability to hurt Chelsea a lot. They generally try and they generally try and restrict the dribbling capability of any player o- o- occupying in that position. But then, if Leeds catch them on a transition and to get someone like Rafinha on the ball in those areas, then I think that's potentially going to be very, very difficult for Chelsea because if they don't if they don't stop Um, if they don't stop the transition they're they're going to be left very susceptible given the nature of the player How are Chelsea looking injury wise at the moment? Injury wise I think they're looking okay now Um, Havertz was missing Havertz was missing for, um, for a while because of Covid but he's back now and Pulisic is back as well he was on the bench so there are no notable injury concerns at the moment
1: And how do you think that Chelsea are going to line up
4: on Saturday? Right, so I think um, it's going to be Mendy in goal, Reese James, right back, uh, Zuma, Thiago Silva, Ben Chilber, that'll be the back four. Conte, Havertz and Mount to form the midfield three. And as as reluctant as I am to see this happen, I think it's going to be Werner, uh, Abraham and... Ziyech playing as the front three, even though I prefer for maybe Werner to just be benched or Abraham to just be benched and have one striker and two white players. But yeah, I, I suspect uh, this is what we're going to see. I don't
1: ever ask for predictions, but I am interested in how you think the game will flow, how the back and forth will will go. So, how do you expect the game to go on Saturday evening?
4: Yeah, I think I think it very much has the potential to be like a game of basketball. Hmm. So, I've I mean it, it's it's kind of been a maybe be in a theme when Leeds have come up against sides that also look to play a loosely similar attacking style of football so I think I think it's going to be a very entertaining game for sure I think there will be um, three or four goals involved Uh, okay um, let's say four goals involved in total or four to five so I mean if, if someone really pressed me for a prediction I'd probably say three two or such but I definitely expect there to be goals on both ends, and I expect a lot of chances to be created for both sides. So, yeah, I think it's going to be quite open and quite heavy metal, all in all.
1: Well, Rom, it's always a pleasure to chat to you.
4: What is the best way for our listeners to catch any of the stuff that you're putting out at the moment? Thanks. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Although I'm, I'm not, I'm not very much worth following these days. Uh, I'd rather you <laughs> follow at insight mrkt so that's our football data consultancy named market insights we provide um, data-based consultancy services in recruitment performance analysis and long-term strategy the the whole lot to professional clubs so there's a there's a lot more useful things on that account mm-hmm. than mine but if you really want to see me tweet about carlos cover on the lot then you can follow me at uh double very weird ad but that's what it is. <laughs> well, Ram, thanks so much. Thank you, John. Pleasure.
0: Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig
1: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So that was Ram Srinivas, one of the co-founders of MRKT Insight, a football consultancy. What did you make of that, Joe?
2: It was brilliant. Yeah, lots of uh, really great detailed analysis. The whole time I was kind of waiting for him to say what I what I thought he might say, was, which was that um, Frank is sort of tactically not there. He's just not really got a plan. And he kind of alluded to that. I think he said, you know, it's a stepping stone and, you know, they're working towards something. But Having watched Chelsea a little bit so far this season, I've watched a few of their games, and I kind of thought the same thing. Um, and I know we'll get into that later, but um, I'm glad that Ram said that as well.
1: Yeah, it's a it's an interesting season, I think, and this is what I mentioned in the questions because, as I say, you know, it felt as though this season is going to be a big season for Frank Lampard insofar as they've spent a lot of money. They've probably got one of the best squads in the league now, and um, on the other hand, you know, the the league feels. At least more random, a bit more chaotic, perhaps than it has for a while. Um, and I guess you know between those two realities, there's questions to be asked about Frank Lampard. But he's sort of doing probably just about enough at the moment. Um, he's obviously he's obviously got his team into the Champions League spots. They're within touching distance at the top of the league. Um, and it's I don't know. For me, it's a really hard. It's a really hard. Uh, question to to answer isn't it like how good is Frank Lampard um, because it feels as though he's sort of ex- because his career has been accelerated to the extent that it's been accelerated you don't know whether or not he's you know going through a natural process of development as you say or whether or not you know this is his level like what if he never improves and it I think once you add to that the background of what's going on at Chelsea at the moment it does raise like interesting questions about whether or not if Chelsea this season don't do as well as you expect them to do what does Chelsea do next season Do they just gamble on Lampard suddenly becoming more tactically astute as time goes on or would you say well you know you've had your chance we've got a great squad here we're only going to have them for a certain amount of time and the next couple of years are going to be peak for us so the whole the whole approach that Chelsea are taking I find really interesting. Um, Tom Woodhead what did you make of what Ram had to say?
3: Yeah I thought it was interesting um he obviously, doing the kind of work that he does, he was also a lot more aware of Leeds' strengths and weaknesses than most of the guests that we have on, I think. So Mm. it was interesting to hear it from that perspective as well. Um, And quite interesting to hear about Corbran as well, to be honest, because Mm -hmm. I haven't watched a great deal of Huddersfield other than the odd clip. And um, I do wonder if he'll be disavowing his love of Corbran in a few years, as he (laughs) seems to be trying to do with Lampard. But yeah, it was really interesting stuff.
1: What do you make of the, the whole Frank Lampard uh, conundrum? I mean I get the impression that Frank Lampard has broken a lot of our brains as Leeds fans right?
3: <laughs> yeah I mean just for, for a start I despise Frank Lampard like, <laughs> I mean, and I think you, you won't find many Leeds players who don't dislike at least Frank Lampard and that's fine because he's done horrible he's said horrible things about us consistently and he's he's behave like an ingracious prick at every opportunity so why would why would I not hate him and people you know you'll get Chelsea fans saying oh Frank Lampard's living rent-free in your head and I just find the idea of Frank Lampard not charging for rent for anything <laughs> like, absolutely absurd so um anyway uh yeah I just I I, I hate him uh, I would rather win this game than any other game this season. A- apart from possibly if I do manage to get into the stadium, which obviously I'd want to win that game. But if if there are no fans in, uh, this is the game I want to win just because I want to beat him.
1: Yeah, I mean it's hard to disagree with the fact that Frank Lampard is living in our heads, but he is very much charging rent. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree with that. Let's talk about let's talk about the tactics then. Um, the underlying uh, overriding idea, I should say, is that that Frank Lampard it, I don't know it's interesting isn't it because last season the the big story with Frank Lampard is oh look the, his team are going to score goals and they'll probably score the first goal but then they're going to get done in defensive transition because um, it happened over and over again you know they were they were I mean, front-loaded. They had some great players in, um, but you know, if you got in behind their line of midfield, you had a sort of probably a three-on-two or a four-on-three overload to to have a chance of scoring, and a lot of teams did. This season seems to be perhaps the other way around. It seems as though he's had a big soul search over the summer and being like, well, you know, maybe if we defend a, a little bit more or play a little bit more conservatively, then we won't get caught out on defensive transition you know sort of Fisher-Price approach to tactics perhaps Um, and it seems as though Chelsea are a little bit more solid defensively but perhaps aren't as dangerous as they could be um, going forward and I suppose that is a perfectly adequate way of playing football when you have the forward line that that Chelsea have you know when you're playing uh, Kai Havertz and Mason Mount as (laughs) 8s players who Probably in most other teams with, with either players outside forwards as, or as tens, you know that that's a team that's you know loaded with attacking talent. You've got a, you've got players as we mentioned in in the interview with Ram that you know, would get into any team in their front five positions, pretty much. You've got Timo Werner, who has been one of the most prolific strikers in the Bundesliga for the last three or four seasons playing as a, as an outside forward, because it's the only way you can fit him into the team, Um, etc. et, cetera, et cetera. So there's lots of, there's lots of really interesting, um, like attacking players on the side, but when it comes to um, actually making those players work together as a unit, perhaps they're not quite there yet. So, this all by uh, rambling way of getting to a question about how do we feel about Chelsea in terms of um, a prospect for us next week? Do we feel as though we would rather face them this, at this point in Lampard's career than last season when they were all about killing teams um, who in attack? Um, and then being a little bit more defensively open, or do you think we stand a much better chance of beating them now that they're maybe a little bit more defensively sound but aren't quite so dangerous in attack uh, i'll go with you tom first
3: I find it hard to say really um i I think I probably would have rather played them last season um definitely teams that just want to constantly attack is is a better thing for us than but it's it's whether it 's how competently they can do the defense and they're not like a sort of Leicester Wolves sort of team are they where they're properly sitting back and playing on the break um it seems more of a you know he's moved Kante into Mm -hmm. defensive midfield and you know they're not playing Jorginho anymore and it seems almost um as as you say it it seems like quite it, it seems more that they've sort of switched the personnel around a bit and he's he's just said to them oh you know, don't be quite so gung-ho rather than anything Mm. particularly well-planned or, you know, some grand sort of system that, you know, works by absorbing pressure and then springing counter-attacks or something Mm. like that. Um, I could be wrong about that. I've not seen a great amount of Chelsea this season, but um, I, I probably would have rather played them last season, but it still seems like, if you took how amazing their players are out of it this is not a bad system for us to play against this oh. is not like um this is not a wolves or a Leicester game where it's it, you know they're almost set up in the perfect way to counter our system oh. so you know if 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 their players aren't fully on it then i think we've got a chance of getting a result
1: yeah i think that's a, that's a, a really a really good point to to make about them um, you know, being as just a solid team with really good players in it, and I think that's the way that, for me anyway, I feel like the game could go. I suspect we'll probably have the better of them tactically, but you're playing against a team who are front loaded so they're going to be a moments team right There's going, they've got enough players in that team who can just do something that will, will change a game and we saw that a little bit against Everton right when when James Rodriguez did the right things or Richarlison did the right things they looked like they could have scored and if they'd have scored they'd have um they could have you know sat back held on to a win perhaps but there's no doubt in my mind that when we played against Everton we absolutely dominated them and probably tactically deserved the win so I think it's going to be another one of those games where you know you can do all you want with the tactics but if if the opposition just magic moment you then there's not a huge amount you can do one person who has watched a bit of Chelsea this season is Joe Hill because you're flatmate I believe is a is a Chelsea fan right so you've yeah. caught a fair few of their games so what's your take on on which Chelsea would you prefer to play this season or last season?
2: I think I agree with Tom in that last season would have been a bit better since um, I don't think they were strong defensively at all they had Kepa flapping around in goal and obviously Mendy has been a, a huge difference for them um, defensively um, I mean I watched the the Spurs game last week and they just they weren't that good at all really I mean with there were they they had some chances to to spring counter attacks on Spurs Spurs didn't attack that much at all but they came out a few times and then when Chelsea got the ball back we were just looking to release Timo Werner you know watching the TV we could just see Timo making that run down the left, and you wanted them to release it quickly if they had any chance of scoring, and they just give the ball to the fullbacks to Chilwell or to James, and then they just turn around and play it back to the centre backs again. And it's kind of like they religiously want to build from the back. They they want to maintain possession and they want to control the game, and every attack has to start from the centre backs at some point. Um, so I think if they're going to if they're going to get something against Leeds they do need to turn it into a bit more of a basketball game and they do need to um release Timo a bit quicker and just play sharper passes than they did against Spurs anyway because I think if they if they play like they did against Spurs then we have every chance of of getting something cuz they really didn't look
1: good in attack. One of the things that we talked about in the interview is how you know the way that chelsea are looking to play this season just is a little bit more reminiscent of liverpool um and i mean i wouldn't put it past frank lampard to have just sat down over the summer with his with his tactical brains and been like who's playing well at the moment liverpool let's try and play like them um bringing in a couple of like advanced Uh, fullbacks who can get forward and uh, cross the ball in playing with a single pivot in in midfield um, etc etc and yeah I guess um, Ram was saying that this probably suits them better yes allows them to get their better players into the team but um, how do we feel about them on the basis of that like one of the things that Ram said in terms of a, a potential weakness was that they are going to try and get their fullbacks forward and they're going to leave potentially leave their two centre-backs exposed at times, which seems to me will play into our hands enormously, Joe.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when he was talking about the ace, asymmetry of their formation in that Chilwell gets into the box um, and James does most of the crossing, um, that sort of led me to think that Rafinha could have an incredible chance down that right wing. Um, we saw it in the Everton game. I think there was there was two in the first 15 20 minutes where Rafinha just had clear space down the right-hand side and if Chilwell's pushing up that high um that he normally does then obviously we're going to see Rafinha making some some runs down the right and hopefully getting in a lot of space and, I mean he's much quicker than Thiago um I think Thiago is obviously a great defender but um he's not he's not got pace you know he's he's 36 now so if if he ends up if Chilwell ends up being nowhere and Rafinha is a 1v1 with Tiago, then I kind of fancy his chances in that situation.
1: Yeah. How about you, Tom, in terms of the potential for Chelsea to have weaknesses that we can exploit?
3: Their left-hand side definitely does sound like a, you know, it could be a fruitful place for us. And, and even if we went we were to go behind, if they don't change their tactical outlook, you know, you could even see, you know, Rafinha sitching to the left and Costa coming on and he'd be able to exploit that sort of, air, that sort of space as well. So, um, that definitely seemed like the area to target. Let's talk about how Leeds will approach this
1: game then, because it feels like almost everyone we've played recently has either played 3-4-3 uh, three, three, or played some kind of defensive iteration of of, um, of, of, of well, I guess Palace, I mean Palace. Palace played a 4-4-2 and played um, defensively and caused us problems by, as I said, on a n- number of occasions, pressing us quite uh, heavily in wide areas. Yeah. Um, I don't think that Chelsea are going to be doing anything like that. So, um a 4-3-3 will probably have us coming out in a 4-1-4-1 I suspect. So, how do we feel about that because it feels like um I think it feels like a lot of the time for say take for a player like Luke Ayling for example, I feel like a lot of people have been like, well, you know, Luke Ayling came out this season, played quite well and then maybe has dropped off a little bit recently um, but we've seen Luke Ayling playing against a lot of these formations uh, these 3-4-3s three, or, or defensive formations where he's not getting much joy um, we're now going to see him coming out in a game where he's probably going to be given license to go forward probably going to be given space to do things when he is forward um, do we feel just a little bit more comfortable about just getting back to the basics of a 4-1-4-1 and, and just sort of getting on with what we do Tom uh, I'm,
3: I'm not sure I'd quite read it like that I, I i tend to find that even, even the games where it is 4-1, 4-1, the, there are usually little tweaks or interesting things that bielsa does that make it a little bit you know different from what you might term a standard um and especially a, a standard sort of setup and especially against a team like chelsea with so many dangerous players you would think there will be specific defensive tweaks to account for the you know werner on the left and uh well, maybe you can't do that because they've just got so many dangerous players in so many positions and you have to rely on the man-to-man system to take care of it. But you would you would think there would be some allowances made for the team that Chelsea have going forward.
1: I think what I mean by by talking about maybe going back to basics is that we know that Chelsea aren't going to be doing anything structurally right. unusual, right? Um yeah. So I guess it gives us a chance to sort of see the 4 one for one as we saw it, I guess, a lot last season. It's, so. it's more
3: of an attacking thing, I guess, yeah. That they mm. won't be... They won't, that 3-4-3 four, four, uh, three, three allows them a really press in wide areas, which disrupts mm. our attack so much that we have to change quite a lot. Whereas, yeah. yeah, we can really attack in those wide areas in a way that we haven't been able to do for a while. Yeah, that, that should be interesting, yeah.
1: Because obviously against Everton, we, we sort of saw all of the shenanigans over on the left-hand side where, you know, you had Dallas sort of defending out wide, but then attacking through the middle, and then Alyoski sort of attacking out wide, but then sort of defending a little bit. Well, depending on where he was needed, either out wide or in the middle, and and Rafinha and Harrison switching sides and stuff. I don't think we're going to see that kind of thing quite so much. I think it will just be a bit more of a rigid setup, and it will be uh, it will be a good chance, I think, just to, to sort of assess where the players are at in a in a. Maybe it's just because when I'm watching the game, I'm kind of thinking, right, what are we doing tactically here? And when when it's just a basic thing, I can just focus on what the players are doing individually a little bit more. But um, let's talk about how um Leeds will set up then. What do we think that the the main sort of issues are going to be in terms of selection um for this game, Joe? How do, how do you see us approaching it in terms of personnel?
2: Personally, I think it'll be exactly the same lineup as the last game. I think he'll stick with Dallas and Alioski um partly because Chelsea are so threatening in the wide areas like with Reece James for example whipping those balls in from deep. I think it'll help to have both of them sort of covering that left-hand side. Um, I guess that for me, that would probably be the only the only selection headache would be, does does he keep Alioski or does he put Rodrigo on from the start? Um, personally, I think, yeah, as I say, it'll be exactly the same, but I think that's the only real position that I can see there being a bit of contention over.
1: So then, I guess that if you're if you have him playing Alioski, you've got Dallas playing as an eight then in midfield rather than as a left back.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's what he'll do. But um, equally, Bielsa knows far more than me, and he could have something up his sleeve.
3: Yeah, if we do play that team, I'd like to see it the other way around. Like I, to me, when I saw Alioski playing in midfield, obviously Alioski is not a perfect midfielder. <laughs> there are lots of things wrong with Alioski in midfield, but there are lots of things wrong with Dallas in midfield as well. And I think that Ali. Alioski's greatest strengths are his energy, his stamina, which which do come more into play at fullback. But the other the other one is his ability to immediately recover from mistakes. And I think the mistakes that he makes in when he's playing in central midfield. It's easier for him to he can he can recover those mistakes quicker than he can the mistakes when he's playing at fullback when he usually needs to sprint the entire length of the pitch. I think I think if you misplace the pass in midfield, Alyoski can actually get to his man fairly quickly, um, probably quicker than any other player in our, in our team, and and you know kind of uh, ameliorate the effects of that mistake. And and I thought his. Pa- choice of passing when he was playing in midfield was notably better than when he when he's playing at fullback when he tends to cross at the wrong time or so I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be Dallas at left back and Alyoski in midfield if we do play the two of them personally I'd probably rather see Rodrigo in but um that's you know that's another matter
1: I can already hear Josh Hobbs writing a stiffly worded uh, tweet to the to the DM about you using the word ameliorate again. Yeah, well, that's
3: why I was thinking for ages about whether to say it or not, but then I thought, I can't think of a better word, so sod it.
1: Yeah, you did miss getting players sent off amongst... Uh, alioski's attributes as well so i feel as though i'm duty bound to to, to mention well yeah bit. i
3: guess then who, who would he be marking so who who do we want sending off more i <laughs> yeah.
1: don't know that i mean that's an interesting thing right if they play a single pivot and we and we're playing and we're, obviously we're playing a single pivot like one of them is going to have to drop deeper and, and mark i guess probably mason mount i don't know which one of the two it'll be it'll be phillips on one of mountain habits and um and then i guess yeah
3: Alioski, I suppose, on one of the other two. So. I, th- I do I do think Joe's right. I think Dallas is more likely to play as the eight than Alioski, yeah. but I'd just like to see it the other way around. Well,
1: could I suggest a, an actual midfielder? Well, I say an actual <laughs> midfielder, but Rodrigo, uh, I suppose, is a, is a possibility. Do you, we don't think there's any chance that we'll see him from the start.
3: No, I, th- I think it's possible, yeah. I, and I'd personally quite like to see it, but um, uh, I guess it depends on a few factors. Whether Bielsa thinks... This Alyoski midfield thing is worth um, trying in different scenarios to see how well it works. Uh, Whether he thinks that having both Dallas and Alyoski on the field is quite is important defensively against Chelsea, or whether you get more um, on aggregate from introducing Rodrigo and having more going forward and more in terms of midfield control. It's going to be interesting to see
1: how they play against how we play against two eights. um, Because I suppose what we usually. I don't know. I don't even know what we usually do. I guess we would probably play Dallas in that situation and have him just sitting a little bit deeper. Um, because I don't think, you, you don't need to have like, I don't know, maybe maybe you do. <laughs> but I, 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 I'm i just sort of thinking, you know, obviously Phillips is going to take one of them. Who's going to be responsible for man marking the other one of those two? Is it going to be a sort of inverted wing uh, fullback slash wingback type approach where where Dallas sort of comes inside defensively and then pushes back outside um in in possession um or do we have one of the midfielders dropping in in which case you know we're we're basically sort of playing a a formation that we don't usually play so that would be interesting to see I think that's certainly a a tactic a point of tactical interest Um, beyond that I guess the, the the question that we always have is like what are we going to do in the wide areas? I mean, we'll we'll probably start with Rafinha and, and Harrison, but do you think there's any chance of, of Bielsa maybe mixing it up at all, Joe?
2: I'm not sure from the start that he'll mix it up. Um, I think you're right, it'll be Harrison and Rafinha. Um, it could be that we see Perveda or Costa um, come on earlier than they have been doing because I think the past couple of games, they've come on really late in the sort of last five or 10 minutes. Um, and it, it could be that maybe Harrison comes off or maybe Rafinha goes into a 10 role or i don't know i think that that's one of the good things about Bielsa and you know how if a if a player's missing he'd rather rotate the whole team than just make a like for like substitution uh in a way i mean that's oversimplifying it but um but that does mean that all the players can sort of play in all the positions so we we know that Rafinha probably could play as a number 10 um we know that Harrison or Costa we wouldn't be surprised to see one of them cutting inside or having both of them on one side Um, so I think there's there's a lot of possibilities that could happen for sure but um, I think from the start in terms of the wingers I think Harrison and Rafinha it, it will be the same because they've both done enough to warrant their their position in the team particularly Rafinha after the last game.
1: We've talked a lot about how Chelsea have a lot of dangerous players, but we haven't really talked about specific individuals, really. So, which of the players that Chelsea have um, that are we are we nervous about and think could cause Leeds problems, Joe?
2: I think for me, we've mentioned him before, but Timo Werner obviously is a huge threat um, to have him on the left wing. I think if he gets the right if he gets the right uh, deliveries into him if he gets them nice and early and you get him running at ailing, that can be a real threat and we could see him cutting inside. I think he scored a goal, I can't remember who it was against, but he scored a goal like that a few weeks ago where he just ran up the whole left-hand side, he cut in kind of like Sterling did against us and just kept taking touches, another touch in the box, just took out five players um, and then scored. It was it was a brilliant goal and he's he's just got that quality but I think one way we can nullify him is just by cutting out the supply line to him because often you see him get a bit frustrated because he's making those early runs and he and he doesn't get those those balls. So I think I am worried about him but I, I'm confident that if we cut off his supply line then he can be quite frustrated and we might see him coming off at 60 minutes-ish because I, th- I think he did that in the last game as well.
3: Yeah, I mean Werner's definitely the main one. The, the thing about Werner is that he, I don't think I've ever seen a player who seems to require so little backlift to have it to you know cr- produce a great finish. Um, mm. He seems to be able, to... and that just makes him so dangerous in the box because you, even if you're tight to him, he, he can still you know uh, produce a finish out of nowhere. Mm. Um, w- one thing I'll I'll be vaguely interested in is to see if Giroud either starts possibly because Lampard was saying he's now in contention to start after he scored four goals last night. Um, or comes off the bench because I think we always struggle against big target men like that so I think actually if Lampard was smart he would consider starting Giroud but Lampard isn't smart so he probably <laughs> won't
1: and uh, I mean that's not to say that Tammy Abraham isn't a great you know target man striker either so. he
3: is but I don't, I don't think he's he's a bit more of a nuanced player Abraham isn't he mm. a bit more of a complete player but not as good in the air as Giroud is and and that's the problem with Chelsea isn't it they've just got so many dangerous players I mean both fullbacks have really good deliveries and are really good going forward so we'll have to watch them as well so
1: one question I ask every week is which players of ours do you think are going to have to play well to cause
3: Chelsea any problems so which players are we expecting good performances from Tom I think Calvin Phillips for me is one if we, we want to see a dominant performance in both from him both offensively and defensively he'll be really important I think in cutting out any quick breaks that Chelsea might try and Spring and also, uh, if if Chelsea do press us I think as as Joe was saying, he'll be he'll be very important in terms of um, sp- you know springing that press and breaking through it. So Calvin would definitely be one to watch for me. How about you, Joe?
2: Probably the whole back four. I'd be looking for good performances from Cooper and Cock. Um, if if between them they're marking uh, Abraham or Giroud, who are obviously big goal threats. Um, Ailing's going to have to deal with Timo Werner. Um, which is going to be an interesting battle. I think in that way the uh, the man marking system will will benefit Leeds because um, I think Ailing can uh, can get in his face and annoy him throughout 90 minutes. And likewise, Alioski can do the same. <coughs> likewise, Alioski can do the same on the left-hand side and annoy the the shit out of Ziyech or (laughs) whoever he's up against and uh, maybe you can do a do a Pepe and get him red carded again.
1: (laughs) So how do we expect the game to unfold on Saturday Tom?
3: I usually say that we should be going for the jugular from the start and I think maybe in this game it might make a bit more sense to see what the lay of the land is a little bit it'd be an absolute disaster if we went behind in the first few minutes I think so what I'd like to see is some semblance of control of the game in the first 10 or 15 minutes um, and work our way into it and try and become the dominant team, uh, make it so that the game seems as though it's going against Chelsea and work from there.
1: Yeah, it's interesting isn't it? because last season I felt like Chelsea would go, they just went ahead in so many games and then would just give up those leads. Um Maybe they've not been quite so much like that this season, but um, I do feel as though there's always the possibility with Chelsea that you know you can get back into the game. Whereas you know if you if you were to go behind against some of the other big sides, you maybe wouldn't feel quite so uh, positive about getting back into it. Although having said that, we did do that against City, and um, I suppose we did that a few times against Liverpool as well. So, um, but I, I do think that there's definitely the the um, the the possibility that that's what happens they come out quite hard early on and then just sort of run out of ideas Joe how about you yeah I'm not so
2: sure it'll be a a basketball game as such and I know that Ram said that in his preview and I'm, I'm not so sure that it will having watched Chelsea against Spurs last week um I think they'll be too wary to press us incredibly hard um all the time I mean they might do it for the first five minutes or so but um I think I think it will be a game that's that's there for the taking in terms of controlling it. I think Leeds could easily, the first 10-15, settle into a pattern. I c- kind of agree with Tom in that I don't think we should necessarily go for the jugular from the off, but just get control of the game and just see how it all goes, uh, because I don't think Chelsea are going to be pressing us relentlessly, because I think that will cause them more problems uh, than it's actually worth. So I think it's a case of seeing what happens in the first 15 minutes and... Um, I actually think it's going to be a, a fairly low scoring game, although um, that could come back to bite me. But I think it's going to be almost stalemate um, unless one team really decides to attack heavily and then you know we could get caught on the counter. Um, and likewise, we could catch them on the counter with Rafinha and uh, all the
1: other players we've talked about. We haven't actually talked about the press which is uh, says everything that you need to know about me as a host but um, it is an interesting topic I think maybe just to touch on before we finish because um, we've seen that Leeds have struggled this season against teams who do press high. So I'm thinking we we struggled a little bit against um, Liverpool's high press in terms of controlling the game. Uh, we struggled uh, obviously a little bit against City's high press as well and they, the game really opened out for us once it became a bit more of transitional and it just became going one end to the other. Um, we we struggled a little bit against Fulham and have done in the last few seasons against the high press. I know that none of us likes to admit that, but um, teams with teams with a high pressing system can actually cause us problems if they if they get it right Um, so let's say that the Chelsea do manage to to um, press as well from the from the off do you think I mean that for me that would indicate that it will quite quickly become a transitional game that's what we did against City right we struggled against City they pressed quite well and then suddenly we were just sort of doing what we um, what we did against actually Everton I thought quite early on which was just work the ball quite quickly through our um, through our build-up and then get it to Phillips who can then um, distribute the ball quite well to the wide areas uh, quite quickly. Um, so I don't know if, if anyone has, has any thoughts on, on the pressing. I'll go with you first, Tom.
3: Yeah, I, I, I think you're right that we do often struggle against the high press, but I think crucially Bielsa by the middle of the game usually has found a way to a, a way around that uh, or a way to turn it to our advantage in some way. Um, and if if teams are pressing as high, they're obviously leaving spaces elsewhere on the pitch. And I think usually by half time or the start of the second half, I mean, Barnsley was the big anomaly, wasn't it, last season? Because I think the players were so nervous that a lot of the instru- many of the instructions just went completely out of the window. But um, we still won that game. Uh, and I think even, even in these games where we struggled against the high press, after 90 minutes, I think we usually do come out on top. Obviously not against Liverpool, but, you know, that's <laughs> Liverpool. And I guess this is Chelsea, but...
1: You've just given me wild PTSD about that Barnsley game, a game <laughs> which I think I've pretty much erased from my... Uh my uh, lived experience memory banks but um yeah that was that was the worst game i think i've ever watched as a leeds fan um but joe do you did you want to add anything else on on the press side of things you did mention it in your in your final answer which is why i brought it up but is is there anything you wanted to add i think i'd
2: be i'd be looking for who's going to mark phillips if if they are going to do a a high press um obviously i, I can't really see Abraham or, or Giroud or whoever starts there dropping deep onto Phillips if, if they're doing a, a high press, you know, um, so then it's a case of Mount, is it Mount or Havertz or, or I doubt Kante would push up that high. So I think whoever's on Phillips is going to leave a bit of space um, where, wherever they're coming from. Um, if it's Mount coming from the left for example then you know we can exploit that down, down our right hand side so if they do decide to press high it's going to be interesting to see whether they sort of do what Everton did and leave Phillips in a lot of space for the whole game or if they p- take someone from a, a, a different position to man mark him.
1: Yeah and Mount is a very very good presser which is partly why frank lampard treats him like his own son it may of course be the case that he is his own son um <laughs> I, I don't know enough to, to be able to comment either way but yeah it should be a really fascinating game on saturday it's a, an evening kickoff as well which i think is is going to make it quite fun game under the lights uh, and there will be fans there so yeah all of these things uh, should make it quite a good spectacle oh, so that is the all Stats Aren't We, preview for the Chelsea game. If you like our content and you want to get more of it, then head over to our Patreon. Patreon is a subscriber platform where you can get uh, bonus content for us by signing up. Uh, we put out various things, video analysis, we put out podcasts, we put out written stuff as well. Um, this week's podcast, bonus podcast has generated a lot of discussion on Twitter because we are doing a hypothetical uh, episode where we look at um, well four of Leeds' best managers and try and build a squad from from those uh, teams the players that they had underneath them so if that sounds interesting head over to www.patreon.com forward slash all stats aren't we and have a check out of what we've got over there three people who have done that this week are George Wade, German Sandbach, and Thomas Holiday. so thank you guys for joining us Um, Right, we'll be back on Sunday with a review episode, I think. But until then, have a good week, enjoy the game, and uh, we'll be back then. So all that remains for me to do is to say thank you, Joe. Cheers. And thank you, Tom. Thank you very much. And we'll see you on Sunday.